Welcome into the Oxen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopo on the show as always. And on this Monday, we are going to break down some of the latest news around the Oregon football program. Some players returning, some players choosing to leave the Oregon football program. And before we dive into that, I want to remind you guys two things. One, you can subscribe to DuckTerritory.com for $1 for your first month, $9.95 there after that. You get inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. You get to read all the content across the entire 24-7 Sports Network. And also, if you listen to the show and you're a regular or if you want to become a regular, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, whether that's on iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts. Click that little subscribe button. Make sure you get notified every single time we upload shows. And also make sure to give us a review. That helps us as well. Uh, helps our show continue to grow as well. All right, Eric, um, last couple of days have been a little flurry of news for the Oregon men's, the Oregon football program. Uh, guys coming, guys leaving. Let's start with guys deciding to come back to school. Um, some a little bit of a surprise and others, I think, kind of what we expected, and that's running back C.J. Verdell, a junior, he has announced he will return to the University of Oregon for another season. He will be a junior again in 2021 because of the NCAA's decision to uh, give everyone a free year. And also receivers and seniors, Jalen Red and Johnny Johnson, both coming back. Big significant news, I think, for this offense as a whole. We'll break down each individual one here in a bit. But collectively, this is, I think, probably best case scenario for the Oregon offense in 2021. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, certainly best case because you could have in theory lost all three of those players. Um, and I think it felt like, I mean, obviously entering, enter, let's put it this way. If it wasn't a COVID year, there's almost, I feel like there's a very small percent chance any of those players are back. Obviously, Red yeah. and Johnson can't return. And I think we think if, J, if CJ Verdell had had a full season and a season where he's fully healthy and able to turn in another 1,000-yard season, he's probably gone too. Um, and so going into 2021, if you would have told us about eight, eight or nine months ago, um, I guess actually, well, I, well, whenever, whenever they shortened the season, but like, if you would have told us those guys would be back for 2021, we would have been very confused by that yes. possibility. And so, you know, you I think you have to be really excited by just the way this shapes some things. And, you know, one of the things I've, I know we talked about throughout the season was kind of the veteran presence is on the 2020 team and how that was maybe some shortcoming. Um, I think maybe lack some leadership and you now have in 2021, you don't have any questions at the receiver and running back spots about kind of yep. who those guys are like, you know, CJ Verdell along with Travis Dyer are going to be the leaders there. Um, we can talk about one of the departures who was also a leader um, in Cyrus B. Likio, but then at receiver, you've got Johnny Johnson and Jalen red who will reassume those kind of leadership positions there too. So this is shaping up to be, I think an Oregon offense that, and this is already the case in 2020, any shortcomings they have will not be due to the skill positions. Um, you know, and I thought in 2020 receiver was the, one of the strengths of the team. And I thought the running back position was one of the weaknesses. And I think it's kind of crazy to say that, but this is a huge year for this group. And I think CJ Verdell's return opens up the door for them to take a big step, assuming he can be healthy. And the question I have really going into this now is, Will Joe Moorhead and Jim Mastro turn the keys back over to C.J. Verdell and say, hey, you're our, our lead running back in 2021? Or will they say, hey, Travis died in enough that he's going to kind of get 
a big, you know, a big chunk of these carries. Maybe he's the starter. Like, how does that play out? And then the other element is what happens with all these other running backs on the roster yep. that we're really excited about? Um, there's a lot of question marks, but I think collectively you have to feel really good about what this kind of last 48, 72 hours have held for the Oregon offense. CJ Verdell in 2020 had a career low 4.4 yard per average um, carry. Uh, Travis Dive, he was on the opposite end of the spectrum. And he had probably one of his better years for the Ducks. And he had a career high uh, yards per carry average of 6.9 yards per carry. Uh, Die ran for 443 yards, one touchdown on 64 carries for the Ducks this past season in 2020. Um, Verdell had just one more carry than Die, 65, but he ran for just 285. He had three touchdowns, but he missed. I think the last two games of, of the year for the ducks because of injuries, he had other games he missed because of injury, but he comes back to Oregon now for another year's fourth year. He has 2,523 all time rushing yards, 21 all time rushing touchdowns. He has 50 catches all time in his career, 536 receiving yards there and two touchdowns. Uh, this is going to be a guy who, you know, from a, from a statistical standpoint, highly accomplished now the question becomes can you keep him healthy and how do you do that and like you said eric i think seeing what we've seen from die in 2020 he is certainly um i i believe put himself in a position where he might be the starting running back uh in 2021 for the ducks and maybe it's a instead of one guy getting 20 22 23 carries a game Maybe both Die and Verdell each split that equally in half, and, and they get, you know, eleven or twelve carries each per game, uh, thirteen carries per game each. Um, I I think Die certainly provided something in the receiving game that, that yeah. we haven't seen at running back from a couple of years. He had nine catches, but for two hundred and thirty nine yards and four touchdowns. I mean, it, it, you know, almost every other catch he had went for a score. Uh, the running back room certainly is going to be interesting to, to see play out. And another reason for that is junior running back Cyrus Avila Keogh. He has announced his transfer uh, from the program. He has entered the, the NCAA transfer portal. He will be looking to play football somewhere else. And quite honestly, Eric, like if you told me at the beginning of the year, um, one of these three guys would transfer, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have surprised me. And it wouldn't, and it doesn't really surprise me that Cyrus is the one that's leaving, not because, uh, I've got something against Cyrus, but it just really feels like he was kind of the third guy that, that had the fewest opportunities, whether it's, you know, a fair opportunity or not. He just didn't get a bulk of the, of the workload at running back. He felt really one dimensional and kind of, it was obvious when he was coming into the game, what they were doing. And he really couldn't expand his Ross, his role within the team for whatever reason, um, fair or not. He just was a short yardage guy and that's it. And he wants to be a starter and he wants to get bulk of carries and, and I, I don't blame him one bit. And so how does Oregon now go beyond that departure? How, how much of an impact do you think that would be for Oregon in 2021? Just really quick with Cyrus. I just want to say one of the nicest young men we've ever dealt with. Yes, hundred percent. An incredible team guy. And that part really stinks in terms of he doesn't finish his career at Oregon. Cause I know how much he loved this program, how much his family, 
love this program and, and you it know, feels like he's leaving on good terms too it does and and, that, and that's good to see I just I just uh, I, I just still remember after he had his big game up in Seattle and I was interviewing him and he, and he uh you know after they beat Washington I was interviewing him afterwards he gave me a hug and I've never had a, an athlete <laughs> I was covering give me a hug certainly COVID related wouldn't happen now because we wouldn't be close to them but like that was one of my like kind of defining memories of that season it was just like what a big game for him and then you know, he was in such a great mood that he just kind of hugged a random reporter. Not that I, I mean, we know each other from, from this work, but it's not like we're, we're close friends or anything. And I just, that kind of spoke to the kind of caliber of, of a guy he is and, um, and, and just kind of his, his, I just, just kind of the warm presence he has been. So it's, it's, a, I'm going to miss cup, not, you know, I'm going to miss covering and not covering him. That's going to be something that'll be kind of disappointing, but from a team perspective, Matt, you're right. Like, um, there's probably an argument that this is a, a good thing from just a let's get more players involved. And I don't think it's, I think it's kind of interesting and, and, and obviously not by accident that Oregon is now trending for a top running back in the 2021 recruiting class Yep. and Byron Cartwell, who's making a decision tomorrow, probably or the, later today. Yeah. The same time this podcast, I'm trying to like, we're recording this on Sunday, but yeah, like that, that he's going to be, making his announcement on Monday and it's likely going to be Oregon. And like, I kind of think that addition makes a lot of sense when you compare it with, with Cyrus leaving and Oregon will now, I think the, the real kind of juggling from Mastro's perspective is how do you focus on the present with Travis Dye and CJ Verdell while also managing the future, which is going to be Sean dollars who we've now seen a little bit of, but then also, these three other running backs and I'll include um, Cardwell in here, even though I guess in theory we can't bet time of recording, but how else do you incorporate three guys we've never seen at Oregon or not play at Oregon yet when in Trey Benson, who was redshirting or just sat this year in seven McGee and Byron Cardwell, two guys. And I know ben, uh, McGee is somebody who will be playing kind of a hybrid position, probably play a little bit of slot receiver as well as running back. But how do you incorporate the future of this position group? Because I think that's been something that was, pretty startling and I think at times a little bit I don't want to say disappointing but a little bit confusing was like you we, we all know what Oregon had with Verdell die and high BB Likio it's very clear for the last three years these were your kind of core cornerstones and those guys were that for three years at Oregon but we never really got to see much of these younger guys and I think it's going to be the balance is going to be and I agree Matt of like I think Travis die and CJ Verdell probably should each be splitting carries and each be getting 12 to 15 touches a game, depending on how much you're running it. But I also think you have to get some touches for Sean dollars or Trey Benson or Byron Cardwell. And maybe seven McGee is almost full-time at receiver and, and isn't really factor in there. Or if he is, he's, he's on specialty, you know, special packages where you have two right. running backs out there or whatnot. But like, to me, I am, um, you know, Cyrus B.B. Likio's departure opens the door for somebody else to kind of step in and be that third running back. My question is, can that be a running back who carries a bigger role than just being a goal line back? Or are we going to just say, Hey, Trey Benson, who I think when he hits the weight room this off season is going to be pretty similar in size to Cyrus to be And he just becomes the de facto goal line, short yardage running back, or are they going to get a little bit more creative and incorporate some of these running backs in their own packages and individual roles? Or, or will one of them maybe even almost unseat one of these veteran guys, and, and become the starter or the second running back. I don't know if they'll be the starter, but like I wouldn't be stunned at all to see like a development over the course of the season where one of these guys, these younger guys who, who really will have to assume a big role by 2022. Although we should know based upon NCAA rules that like in theory, both Diane Verdell could be back in 2022 because they didn't use years this year. That's where it gets so wonky. 
But like, I look at it and think, we, we really, you know, you have a very clear idea what you have in Verdell and Die. But at a certain point, these guys aren't going to be with the program anymore. And you have to find a way to start incorporating some of these younger guys or else you run a risk of entering 22 or 23 with just no idea what you've got. And then the other concern here is, does a – we just saw Javon Wilson transfer. Would a Sean Another Dollars, younger guy leave. Yeah. Do one of these guys leave just because these veterans are here? And, I mean, that's kind of speaking out of turn without really knowing. But, like, I, there has to be some way of incorporating – more than just two or three guys. And if you do, if you don't do that, I just think that potentially stunts the growth of this position long-term. Real quick to wrap up the running back spot here. I think Verdell and Dye will get a bulk of the carries for the Ducks in 2021. I think we both are in agreement there. Yes. I think we're both in agreement that Dollars needs to get some, some kind of production in 2021. He needs more because it's a small sample size, but in his career, he has 15 carries for 128 yards he's averaging eight and a half yards per carry that's that's pretty impressive um, for any player and it's a small sample size but we need i think the question the thing here more is we need to know is that real or not and you need to know that before the 2022 football season um and then from there it's just kind of probably eric right like get if you can get benson carries if you can get cardwell some carries um you do it but you need to get those three guys, Die, Verdell, and, and Dollars carries. And, and, and we need to see more for Dollars because we need to know what he has in the tank for 2022 because it's looking like – I mean, it, it, it would blow me away if Verdell goes back to Oregon for 2022. Wouldn't be that big of a surprise in my eyes for, for Die to return for a senior year. But I think there's also just as good of a possibility both those guys – just graduate and move on from Oregon after the 2021 season. So you need to know what you have at that running back spot with dollars. And if, if he is the guy to be the, the bulk of the, of the, you know, the workhorse for when die and Verdell move on from the program. Um, let's shift over now to the receiver spot where I, this is like, I don't know if people realize how big of a deal this is for Oregon to get both Jalen red and Johnny Johnson back for another season for the Ducks. Um, Jalen Red led the team in receptions in 2020 with 25. He was second on the team in yardage with 281. He had one touchdown. Johnny Johnson was second on the team in receptions with 19. He was third on the team in receiving yards with 267. So Oregon's bringing back there you add in Devin Williams who was third on the team with 15 receptions he was first on the team in yards 286 they're bringing back their top three receivers on this team and this is going to be if if they're your number if if those three guys are your one two and three receivers in 2021 that's pretty good if if Jalen Red Johnny Johnson um get passed up by a Devin Williams or or a Micah Pittman uh, or one of these younger guys, it means your receiving core is really, really damn good. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm like, I'm pretty stunned by this, to be honest, that both of them came back. Um, and, and you're right. Like, I think we need to say, this is like, this is a huge thing that both of these players are back. And I know, and we've talked about this at other positions where there's always this, this sense of like, especially at quarterback, we've had this conversations about Ty Thompson coming in. Everyone's like, he's the guy. I think a receiver, it was interesting seeing some of the response on the message board of like people being like kind of disappointed by the news. Like, oh, I was excited to see, you know, to see Troy Franklin and Dante 
Thornton back and this maybe hurts their development. And I'm like, that's such a ludicrous perspective. You're, you, you're getting two guys back who have given a ton to the program, who are incredible leaders, who, I mean, Jalen Red and Johnny Johnson were, you know, in 2019 and 2020, like they, one of them was, they were, they were leading the team in a lot of receiving stats for the last couple of years on good offenses. And I know the way that the offense played down the stretch in 2020 was disappointing, but it was not by either of those players fault at all. These are two extremely reliable veteran guys who've now been in the program forever. I mean, this is, this is really big news. And again, like just for those that are kind of like, well, darn, that's too bad. Now we're not going to get to see Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton. Well, now it's, those you're guys still going to see them play now to me. Yeah, you are. But now it's like, those guys have to earn it. Like yeah. nothing, nothing is going to be handed to the, any, nothing's handed to any of these guys. And, you know, there's, a, I mean, probably with the most, I mean, like, let's be realistic. Like those, these two guys coming back are not quote unquote, your best NFL draft prospects, but they are extremely seasoned college players who are really, really good blockers, who are good route runners, who make big plays. I mean, Jalen Red and, and Johnny Johnson have both been dynamic skill players at, at Oregon now over the course of their careers. And I mean, getting one of those guys back was going to be huge. Getting both of them back, like, man, what a, what a coup this is for this offense and for whoever's at quarterback. Now, again, there's no excuses for not having a lot of success. Um, you're going to have had a full off season now to kind of figure things out from a new offense perspective, from a confidence perspective, if you're Tyler Shuck or whoever it is, and you're now going to have your full complement of weapons back. I mean, this is, this is really big. And what it does create is just a pretty wild kind of too deep to try to parse through here of like between the four top receivers who are back and you ran through those guys, you know, you include the two seniors who are back now and then Pittman and Devin Williams. Those are four really good receivers. And then you bring in, I mean, well, let's mention also Chris Hudson, who during the camp was really being talked about, like he was something special. We didn't get to see a lot of that, but there's a fifth, there's a fifth guy that people are really high on. And then you bring in these three true freshman receivers and we haven't really mentioned Isaiah Brevard by name, just because yeah. he's not quite as highly rated, but like he needs to be at he's least still a four-star guy that probably will play. Yeah, he's a top 150 recruit nationally. Um, the other guys are just top 70, you know, recruits. You know, for Franklin might be a five star by the time this is all done on 247's composite. Um, I mean, these are these are some of the best receiving count ever, Oregon's ever had, and it joins a group here which really is going to be extremely exciting to watch. And this is where I am very curious to see how things shift here for Joe Moorhead in year two of. Well, A, the quarterback position is, is really – it all comes down to that. But I've already said that. But what does Jamore had do to utilize these guys? How does Brian McClendon maximize this group? Uh, I'm bummed out that I don't know how much a practice we're going to watch just because of the current circumstances of stuff with, with COVID. But because I think it would be just fascinating to watch these young players battling for playing time against some veteran guys and just watching the two deep kind of take place. And we talked about this when we reviewed – my projected two deeps a couple weeks ago. And we'll talk about it here in a couple of weeks when we do wide receiver week of, but just like, I mean, it's, it's really kind of a challenge to try to figure out like, okay, like in my head, I'm thinking probably the starting lineup is Jalen red in the slot. And then Johnny Johnson at one outside receiver with either Micah Pittman or Devin Williams at the other spot. But like, I'm not going to be stunned at all with over the course of the season or even through camp. If like, we see some of these freshmen or we even see a Devin Williams push a Johnny Johnson or maybe Michael Pittman pushes Jalen red in the slot, but like it is so deep right now. And I think, I mean, this is going to be about as talented a receiving group Oregon has had in a really long time. And you have to be really excited about it. And again, I think there's this tendency to say, well, we'd actually prefer to have the young guys, you know, have trial by fire. 
that isn't necessarily the no. case. And, we, <laughs> and we've seen firsthand, we've seen firsthand what happens when you have really young receivers at Oregon, even if they're talented. I mean, think back to when basically the only reliable weapon in the passing game was Dylan Mitchell a couple of years ago because he was surrounded by all these young guys. Johnny Johnson was one of them of like, you don't want that scenario. Having these veterans back is huge. And now Oregon really does have um, an incredible complement of weapons and a really good, I think, variety of type of players too. Of you've got, you've got these tall, lanky guys on the outside and Devin Williams um, and Dante Thornton. You've got these dynamic, all kind of clump in, you know, clump together, these six, one, six, two body types of, um, of Troy Franklin and Johnny Johnson. But then you have these, and, he, and then, and I guess that and Micah Pittman kind of fits there. And then you also have some of these diminutive guys like Jalen red um, and Chris Hudson, who can kind of be in the slot and be kind of these dynamic guys. I just think you have a lot of different ways to attack defenses. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see now with the full off season, kind of how Moorhead attacks defenses going into 2021. I think there's reason to think this offense can be really dynamic. People that are disappointed that, or I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but people that are like, Oh, I was hoping to see more of the younger guys rise to the cream of the crop are crazy because you're, you're saying you don't want two guys and Jalen Red and John Johnson who have combined for 28 receiving touchdowns in their careers to come back for another season for the ducks. Um, Jalen Red in the slot has been a guy who has 118 career receptions for 1,238 career yards. And that comes when as a freshman in 2017, he played in just six games. It was a wasted year by Willie Taggart playing him. He should have redshirted with how little he was used that season. Um, I mean, that's a whole nother tangent we can go down the road. So really you look at this and think he has 112 receptions for 1,100 yards in the last three seasons. And one of those years is 2020 when he played in seven games. He had 25 catches for 281 yards and, and one touchdown. Um, Johnny Johnson is a guy who burst on the scene as a true freshman in 2017. He had 299 yards receiving, 21 touchdowns. He had the sophomore slump when he had 17 catches for 215 and a bunch of drops. He had four touchdowns that year. But then as a junior in 2019, in a full season, 13 games, 57 receptions, 836 yards, seven touchdowns. And look, I don't think it's – I think it's fair to say that neither of these guys have, the. I think, the ceiling to be a go-to threat on a pack, you know, Pac-12 championship – or not Pac-12 championship because they've done that. Right. A, a, a national championship team. Like, it's going to be difficult to win a national championship with Jalen Red and Johnny Johnson being your number one and number two receivers. But if they're your number two and number three receivers and a Devin Williams or a Micah Pittman elevates themselves because those two guys are, are physically different than, than Johnson and, and Red are, all of a sudden your receiving room is loaded. And you're not, like you said, you're not having to go trial by fire of asking a bunch of true freshmen and a crazy offseason. It's still going to be a little crazy. But to, to, to be your go-to guys, like – I'm sorry, especially when you've got some questions at quarterback with if it's Tyler Shuck. And if it is Tyler Shuck, where's his confidence? Or a true freshman at Ty Thompson. Like, you don't want to be playing all these true freshmen across the board. You need to have some experience. And this is a game-changing moment for the program in which I think it sets them up to be, you know, their their offense, if, if they just get solid production at the quarterback position, 
their offense now is set up to, to be really good from a conference perspective and also a national perspective. I'll just make one more point here on, on just kind of, I just think back to some of the, the mistakes you see from true freshmen. I just remember DeAnthony Thomas in his first game against LSU fumbling it twice. Right. And these guys, mm-hmm. he's a player that goes on to have, he's one of the most accomplished players in program history, but it, these freshmen will make mistakes. And I think it, it does you a huge, it's very helpful to have veteran guys around and stuff. And, and like, especially when a game against Ohio state where, let's say that game is really close. You would hate to see one of these true freshmen who's forced to be out there in a huge moment, drop a pass. He shouldn't drop or fumble a ball. He that costs them the game rather than having a Johnny Johnson or Jalen red, who are reliable players, veteran players out there. And again, the difference between, I mean, just think about it this way. The difference between a 2020, a 22, 23 year old player and an 18 to 19 year old player. And that's the kind of difference in age we're talking about here is very significant. You're talking about fully developed bodies as a, and, and athletes as opposed to people that are still growing into their bodies. So this is a win for Oregon. And I know there are, again, I know there are people that were kind of bummed out and I don't want to delve too much into this narrative, but this is huge. And I'm, I'm really excited to see both these guys back. Again, we talked about Cyrus being somebody who I love to cover. Johnny and Jalen are both really great, been great guys to get to know and, and talk with over the years as well. And, and I think having them back, having that veteran leadership in that room will be significant because if they both left, it would have fallen upon Micah Pittman and Devin Williams. And I'm not saying they're not capable of it, but these are guys who haven't been in these spots before. And you're entering a season where you have huge expectations. You have issues at quarterback. You kind of need these steadying forces. And I think it's a huge win for Oregon to get back the three players we've talked about today, CJ Verdell, a really, really talented running back. who's just had, he's had a lot of issues with injuries, but if he can stay healthy, that's huge for your development 2021. And then these two receivers who, have swapped years now being the team's leader in receptions and receiving yards. It's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Continue to check out duckterritory.com for more information on the Oregon football program, as well as recruiting. And for Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Prem. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you later, folks.